Today, as I close this series that we've been in, uh, Big and Rich, I want to talk to you about something uh, totally different, being rich in a different way. Uh, It isn't about money, but it's a way that we can truly experience being rich in a life that is truly, truly life. This message, I think, is probably my favorite of the four, um, this one and the, the first one. The first one, because I don't think many of us conceptualize that we are as rich as we truly are in Christ, that God has truly blessed us. And that truth, I believe, will transform your perspective on who you are and the amount of blessing God has poured out on your life. And this one, because this message is very, very practical. And I want to start this morning just by reviewing the the theme verse for the entire series. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. Paul writes to Timothy and says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And the verse I kind of want to hone in on this morning is actually verse 18, which says this, command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. One of the things that we must do if we're going to be good at being rich is to be good at good deeds. Uh, You can't get any more practical than that. If if, if you're rich, do good. Uh, It's kind of understood that it means, and Paul means, for others, not necessarily yourself, right? Because uh, if it was for yourself, it would kind of be selfish, which goes against the whole be generous. Um, There's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of God. We've talked about that. That's one of the reasons God has blessed us so that we can enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with going on vacation, remodeling in the house, buying a new gun or a tool. I'm just saying, um, (laughs) My wife will be here next service, and she'll hear that. Um, But there is always the temptation. There is always the temptation to get stuck there, right, To, to use the blessings of God for ourselves and for our own enjoyment only. Paul says to Timothy, look, you're gonna have to command them to share and do good. So, Command them. It's, it's not a suggestion. It's not when, when they get around to it. Command them to be generous and to do good. Paul says if they're going to be good at being rich, they have to be generous, and they have to do good helping others. So the question for, for all of us is, how rich are you in doing good right now? How rich are you in good deeds? Are, are you filthy rich in doing good for others? Or... Are you middle class in doing good for others? Or, or are you below the poverty level uh, in doing good for others? So reflect on that in, in your own spirit. There's even a spot, if you grab the sermon note sheet, just to be really honest, and circle one between you and God. How rich am I in good deeds? 
one of the ways that we can be big and rich in the Lord is doing good. Serving others transforms our character. Uh, we, we've looked at that kind of phrase, that process or that series of events. Thoughts become words. Words become actions. Actions become habits. Habits will determine your character. So if you are in the habit of serving others, it will transform your character, and your character will eventually set your destiny. Last week, we've been looking at some phrases, and last week we looked at the phrase, because I have more, I will give more. I want to add three words to that phrase this morning, just three. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. I want us, and, and, and we are, to be a church of people who are rich in doing good. But in order to do that, we have to be clear about something right up front. Being rich in good works doesn't save you. Being a good giver doesn't save you. Being a tither doesn't save you. Jesus saves you because he gave his life for you. And if we trust in his work, we are saved, period. Some have said it like this. You are not saved by good works, but for good works. Isn't that awesome? You you are saved for good works. You're, You're not saved by trying really, really hard to be good, and you're not saved by trying really, really hard not to do any of those bad things, We are saved by our trust in Jesus alone. And then he sends us out to do good. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, I think, says it best. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's Handiwork. Other, other scriptures, other uh, versions of the Bible say, you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if salvation was by works, can you imagine what that conversation would look like between those who were and those who weren't saved if we were saved by good works? The person who was saved would start out by saying something like, man, Jesus picked me because I am just so stinking good, but he didn't pick you. Go figure. You've really got to step it up. Like, if you don't want to spend eternity extra crispy, you better do some more good or you're going to be in trouble. I tell you what, you just model what I do and you'll be okay. Now, I don't think anyone would actually say that. But agree with me, uh, agree with the word of God that our salvation isn't based on how good we are or how bad we are. It's about our trust in Jesus. Salvation is a gift from God by trusting the work of Jesus, not the work that we do. But you are saved for good works. Ephesians tells us that God actually planned those things for us to do in advance. 
I think that's awesome because it kind of takes the pressure off. Um, Jesus saves you. He paid the price. And then he gives you gifts from him in the spirit, uh, abilities. He gives you resources. And then he also planned the very good works you're supposed to do. And he gave you the blessings in order to do it, uh, to make him known, to show people Jesus. And every once in a while, I, I hope you've had this experience, you stumble across something that's like on that divine to-do list. And, and I really pray and hope that you've had that experience. That When you do something and you're like, no, you know what? That was awesome. That must have been on God's to-do list for me because it did, I served somebody else and it really didn't even feel like I was serving. It didn't feel like work. In fact, I think it probably blessed me more than it blessed the person that I just served. Like, like all the pieces just line up. All the parts to the puzzle just came together. You had the time. You had the ability. You had the joy while doing it. I don't know what that is for you. It, it could be making a meal for somebody. It could be helping them fix something. It could be taking them coffee. It could be listening to a friend. I, I don't know what that is for you. But when you find those things, that sweet spot, it's like all the stars align and God's presence is truly, truly there. For, for me, um, outside of preaching, because I could do this all day long and you would eventually be like, is he going to shut up? Um, but outside of this, for me, it's, it's time in the wood shop. I love having other guys over to the house who want to build something. Uh, Steve, Lisa, call, my wife, calls it Steve's Open Studio. Uh, and that's where somebody just wants to build something, they come over, and I, I, I teach them how to put it together. And God has blessed me with the ability, the resources, a garage full of tools and wood, and, and a spirit just to be generous. I love it. And, and I hope that when guys come over to, to build something, that they experience Jesus in some way. Here, I get to talk about Jesus a lot. And in the shop, I, I hope that my actions and the way that I go about what I do and teach and just invest in other people shows them Jesus. I think that all of us are, are called. In fact, God, God planned for us to have those moments in life ahead of time. It's why he created you and gifted you and blessed you. Use your passions and your abilities and your gifts to show people Jesus. What I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is just give you three guidelines for showing people Jesus, serving people, doing good deeds in a practical way. Number one, the praise directed towards you for your good deed should be reflected to God. Matthew 5, 15 through 16 says this, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, just like the lamp on a stand, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, our good deeds are to be done in such a way that God is glorified. Now, that is not to say that we can't express thanks to one another when somebody does 
something helpful for us. That is not to say that you can't say, um, you're welcome. I know I just helped you. You're welcome when somebody points that out. It's not even to say that you can't take pride in the job that you did or be honest about the amount of help that you gave someone. But we all know that there is a difference between pride in a job done well and being prideful and arrogant about the job that we did. Most people, I think, have experienced serving someone or someone offering to help you, and really, they, they really didn't want to help you. They wanted something else. <laughs> they either wanted leverage, or they wanted influence, or they wanted something in return, or that's not the kind of service that God is pleased with. In those same people, I believe, they are the ones, that, the ones that, that serve with strings attached. They are the ones that often get upset with God when God doesn't come through in a certain way. They, they almost expect, you know what, I was good, I did this, I did this and this, and God, you should come through with this. God should have been, God wants to bless us, but God isn't paying us for a job well done. That's not how God works. Serving others and bringing glory to God is in itself a blessing. And if you find that sweet spot with the way you serve, you will be blessed. We're not saved by good works, but for good works. And as we do the works God prepared in advance for us to do, there will come a time, maybe just a moment, when we have the opportunity either to keep that glory or to reflect it to God. Those divine moments are when God has gifted you and given you the opportunity to show someone Jesus. He, he gifted you. He gave you the resources. He gave you the passion. Return to him the glory for what you have done. God, in those moments, I think, reveals to us that life actually makes sense. All the blessings all the pain, all the heartache, all those things seem to come together in those moments when we serve someone else. Even, even the heartache and pain, when we provide comfort to someone in their grief, life just makes sense then. Give him the glory. Guideline number two. Good deeds must help others in the way that they need it. Um, I took this from Luke 11, 11 through 13, which says this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How we serve has to meet the need. Um, we, we need the Holy Spirit. We ask him for it, and our Heavenly Father gives it to us. This scripture says parents know how to give good gifts to their children. If your son is thirsty, you would not give him salted peanuts. Um, if someone came over to my wood shop and said, hey, I want to build a kitchen table, I wouldn't offer to help them build a bookcase. Uh, it's not the help that they need. But sometimes, and I think maybe especially Christians give help that isn't really helpful. Um, pastor stories, I guess. But you would not believe 
the things that people call the church about and want to donate to someone else. Um, things that no one in their right mind would actually receive. You know, the, the family that has seven kids, three dogs, and two sick cats uh, wants to donate their old couch. And I think to myself, nobody's going to want your old stinky couch. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. There's a reason why you want to get rid of your old stinky couch. Um, some, that, you can't make stories like this up, but one lady called the church and she said, you know, I was going through my freezer, and I found this turkey, and it's really old, and it's probably freezer burned, and I was going to throw it away, and then I thought, maybe somebody at the church could use it. And it's in those moments, you do not, ha- you do not know how hard I have to work at being good, because, <laughs> because I, and I usually hear Lisa's voice, don't say it, Steve. Don't say it. But I, I want to say something like, oh, yeah, sure. And if you have any, like, moldy bread, bring that too. We're having communion Sunday. Oh, it's so bad. Um, but we, we need to help in a way that's actually helpful, that meets the needs of the people that we're trying to serve. It's what, it's what Jesus did. Look at Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He was helping in a way that was helpful. He was helping in a way that people needed. He was doing good. He didn't walk up to the blind guy that couldn't see and say, I've got a couch for you. He, he helped in ways that people needed it. Now, for, for those of you who are wired up to serve, your, your heart just beats for that. You actually have to pray and make sure that you are helpful and not enabling. When we serve, we want to give people a hand up, not necessarily a hand out. And there's a difference. A, a hand up helps people accomplish their goals. It, it assists them in feeling good about themselves and what they can accomplish. It builds them up. They feel supported. A hand out makes people feel like they can't do it on their own, like they have to depend on someone else, and it can become a lifestyle. And I'm going to shut up right there because it's election time. Um, we are going to be rich as a church in good deeds in a way that we help in a way that is helpful. And we're going to give people a hand up, not necessarily a hand out. And sometimes the Spirit will lead us to serve in ways that are just difficult. The Spirit of God will call you to go the extra mile. And that's a phrase from Matthew 5.41 where Jesus said this, If anyone forces you to go one mile, Go with them two miles. And Jesus was talking about a Roman soldier's right, legal right, to force any citizen to carry their gear for one mile, or in Jewish terms, a thousand steps. The Jews hated the Romans. They did not want to carry that gear one step. Jesus says, it's, it's their right to tell you to go one. I want you to go two miles. 
Why? Show them Jesus because I came to serve people who hated me. And I laid down my life. And you, my brothers and sisters, can be like me just a little bit. Serve them, go the extra mile, and make them wonder why. And the answer to the question will be, because Jesus laid down his life for me when I hated him. When I was sinning against him, he showed me love. And I'm going the extra mile because Jesus paid it all. Number three, our good deeds will glorify God through his church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, capital D, the day Jesus comes, approaching. We are the church, and together we are to glorify him. Together. Talk in your connect groups how you can together serve him. As a staff, we, we dream of ways of how to get you, the body of Christ, the church, involved in showing people Jesus together. Encourage one another to make an impact. Do it together. Pray for one another. As you go through situations in life, dream about how you can turn those situations into an opportunity to show someone Jesus. Timothy said, when we do, we will find a life that is truly life. It's it's those moments when all of life seems to make sense. I believe the church is the hope of the world. You, you are the hope of the world. You are salt. You are light. In this room sits the gifts, graces, and the resources to show people Jesus and impact the kingdom of God in this area. We can transform this area. Think think is way out of the box, or you're in the line at Walmart, and somebody is rude and obnoxious, How do you show them Jesus in a way that they think about what they've done? How does God transform their character so that person isn't rude to someone in the the future? That that only happens as they meet Jesus and and, and show love and not hate. But we, this this sounds annoyingly practical, I guess. We could end rudeness at Walmart, (laughs) If we showed everybody Jesus, we can transform culture. This truth actually excites me as your pastor because I believe we can do this together. As I look at the space we're going to move into, it's exciting. It's beautiful. I can't wait for you to see it. Uh, And we're a couple weeks away from actually being in that space. But when I look at you, that's what excites me because you're the church, and we are called to show people Jesus together. We, we can do it. We can transform people's lives. God can do it through us as we serve them. The broken will find wholeness. Sinners will experience freedom. 
marriages will be saved. Children and youth will know Jesus and teach God to the next generation. Because of us, people around the globe will be blessed and know Jesus. And God will get the glory as we show people Jesus together. The the picture of the church in the New Testament is this unstoppable force. A force that does good and helps people up. We are rich. We are blessed. And we will not trust in riches, but one who richly blesses. And because we have more, we will give more. And we will do more. And we will make him known to the ends of the earth together. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. And Father, thank you that we are blessed and that you saved us by the work of your son, Jesus. And you saved us, God, for for good works, works that you prepared in advance for us to do. And Jesus, this morning as we pray, I pray that you would empower your church to be the church in their communities and show the blessings of God through their character and through their deeds. God, help them point out that you are the hope. And wholeness is found in you. And we want to give you all the glory, God, for doing that through us. And this morning, if, if, you're, if you're willing to do a better job at doing good, if, you're wanna, if you want to take that up a notch with every eye closed, every head bowed, would you raise your hand? God, as we function as a church, I give you thanks for these brothers and sisters They are the church. They represent you, King Jesus. And as we go from this place today, help us to to willingly do those things that you prepared for us in advance as a church to do, to show people Jesus. And we will give you all the glory and all the praise. And all God's people said, Amen. amen.